Welcome to another episode of the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. It's Michael, and today I've got a very special guest. There's a brand new book out. It's called It's the Manager, and I've got Jim on the line. So, Jim Harder, welcome to the show. Thanks, Michael. Great to be with you today. Great to have you here. What prompted you to write a book called It's the Manager? Uh, what what was the thinking behind it? And I know we'll we'll dive right into, you know, how organizations need to have strong leadership and management in order for them to survive in this ever changing world. But what was what was the inspiration behind the book? Well, that that's kind of it. Is that the, the workforce is changing substantially? I think we're all aware that there's uh, more remote working, more matrix organizations higher digitization, we've got mobile technology we carry with us everywhere, uh, more gig work, um, flexibility is the most sought after benefit, uh, higher diversity than in the past. And at the same time, there's been um, decline in gl global productivity growth over the decades. Um, but there's been advances in the science of management. The, the problem is that the practices of management have been pretty stagnant. And so we wanted to do something about that. And we, one of the things we found is that organizations need to be shifting from a traditional culture of boss to a, a culture of coach. And managers need to kind of redefine their jobs to think about coaching more than bossing. That's a great analogy because I think, and again, we're in this world now where we have four generations that could be working for an organization, your baby boomers, Gen X, our millennial friends, now Gen Z, uh, and mm -hmm. all of them have different dynamics, all of them have different needs and approaches of how they uh, view work, and also, you, you hit it right on the head as far as flexibility. You know, the needs that I have as somebody that is a, a Gen X aged uh, person, is dramatically different than someone who's a millennial or, or Gen Z. And I'm sure that you know, came through in a lot of your research. Yeah, it did. And um, the interesting thing to me is, is that even within those generations, there's massive variation in individual differences. And so the, the key to coaching an individual is really getting to know them and their strengths um, on an individual level regardless of the generation. And that's, that's a shortcut, so to speak. It's, it's uh, it removes a lot of barriers. People can naturally put up barriers, whether they're generational or other. Um, but it, it, it gets you over the, over that hump and you can, you can think more about who that person is and what their aspirations are and how those are unique to them. And also what you might have in common with them. Um, but that, that's the, uh, that's, you know, one uh, method that, speeds up how engaged people become in the workplace and it, it, it uh, shortens the distance between people. One of the things that I've noticed you know, over my career and even in the last 20 years has been the shift from organizations and your management and leadership really knowing and understanding its people and the people they work from you know, and from a personal standpoint to a very siloed uh, type of environment. And it, it seemed to come into play a little bit, at least in the industries that I was exposed to um, shortly after um, you know, the economic recession in 2008 and 2009, where the organizations that survived and you know, the people that were, you know, didn't lose their jobs, you know, their workloads increased. And it just seemed like that there was this, bigger divide where, you know, I say this tongue in cheek, but it seemed like the cubicle walls kind of grew taller 
and we just seem to be more separated uh, where work is this separate entity and we don't have any type of engagement even even to the point where you know coworkers you know for example used to go out and hang out and do different things in many of the organizations I was a part of and now that seems to be different and it's not happening as much as it used to so i'm sure that came through in a lot of your research as well yeah the uh, you know those those kind of silos you're referring to can be influenced by a lot of things. It could be that workload increased during the recession. But we did find that during um, the recession, the organizations that had, and we've we've been able to study this through two recessions now, the organizations that had been working on their overall culture and had a culture that was more developmental, engaging, um, tended to hold their own during those recessions, had fewer layoffs, um, but also held their own financially, whereas their competitors dropped pretty quickly. So if you think about, you know, the, the role of getting that culture right and getting the people part right, what it does is it builds some insurance um, for an organization. And so um, I think the best, what I've seen is the best managers in the world can sense when those silos are being developed and they do something about it. Um, and they, they bring people together. They, they get to know each individual situation and they manage to that situation as opposed to trying to make everyone be the same. Um, and even knowing that each person gets to the, the outcomes in a somewhat different way and honoring that. Well, I, I, I kind of compare it to, because uh, I'm a sports fan, you know, to fielding a baseball team. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you've got your, your all-star players, your, your starters and all of that. And then you have those individuals that are on your bench, but they play a key role to the organization. And sometimes they can you know, be put in a variety of different experiences and situations. But the key is as a coach, uh, you need to know your people and it's hard for you to know your people if you don't engage with them. And that goes both ways. It's not a case where, you know, the coach or the manager is, you know, constantly trying to reach out to their employees, but you know, get an understanding of who they're about, what the challenges they're facing, both you know, internally and externally. If there's something that's going on in their lives, and, and we're seeing that more and more as uh, the population ages, you know, many of us have aging parents. So now we're, we're looking at being caregivers on top of everything else that we're doing. And there's all kinds of dynamics with that. Or if you're raising a young family, you know, there's, you know, the challenges that you face on that. So all of those external factors play a big part of your, your, your daily output and productivity. So as a manager and a coach, you should have at least an inclining as to if things are going sideways for an employee and it should be noticeable because oftentimes they, they can't hide it because the performance will, will drop or maybe they're not as engaging uh, to their fellow teammates or who knows, you know, there could be a variety of different things, but, but being in tune with what's going on in individuals lives can, like you said, get ahead of things where you, you start noticing silos or maybe, behavior is changing a little bit. If you can get ahead of it, uh, I'm a big fan of prevention. And if that way you can fix something before it's broken, because once it's broken, it takes up a lot more time and energy and resources. And quite frankly, it, it takes you away from what you're supposed to be doing as a, as a coach in the first place. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, as, as a foundation, really just getting to know people is is it, um, getting to know them and their aspirations and what they're going through. But um, I would argue that to build enough trust to really have them open up with you about some of those things, you've got to start with some basic work elements like um, clear expectations in terms of and, and invo involving them in their goal setting and expectations and real practical kinds of things that build trust, right? Um, so they want to know that their role is important and they want some input into how that role is put together at work. They need what they what they need in terms of equipment materials to do their work. Um, they need to be in a job where they can do what they do best. So you have to kind of know them to be able to position them appropriately there. When they do something well, you've got to recognize them for for, and you have to kind of be interested in, you have to be interested in their development uh, for them individually and, and help them think about their future. If you do those things, you've got trust, and then uh, they're going to be more likely to open up and share more uh, in, in ways that you might be able to help their overall well-being. Yeah, it's a great example, and you know, one of the stories that I like to share is, you know, there's many times in you know, the people that have worked for me over my career, if I knew that there was a better opportunity for them, either internally with the organization or even possibly externally, I would let them know because I wanted what's best for them and would coach and guide them on it. Uh, there was you know, one situation where I was leading a healthcare clinic and I had an absolute superstar front-end receptionist. And she was amazing, uh, but she had quite a long commute uh, to our clinic site. And I found out that there was another similar organization that had an opening for the same role that was 10 minutes from her home. So I called the leader of that organization and gave a recommendation beforehand and say, I, I'm going to ask and see if she's interested, but I, I want to you know, let you know about this person. And then I talked with them. And it took some convincing because they weren't really willing to leave. But I, I told them, I don't want to have you spend your entire life in, in traffic and, and commuting when there's a same-sized organization much closer to home. And you'll, you'll get, you're going to get at least an hour and a half a day back. And I, I, while I don't want to lose you, I think this is really good opportunity for you. I trust that organization. I know the players there and all that. And she eventually took the job and was offered the job and she accepted it. And, you know, she said, I, it's amazing that you were looking out for me as a human being and an employee for something that would be better for me, but maybe in the short term detrimental to the organization. And, and that's, you know, that's how you approach things. It's like, okay, what is the best thing for this employee? And, and when you do that as a coach uh, or a manager, it, it speaks volumes and that word travels and everyone else understands, okay, this, this individual actually cares for the people here and they want what's best for us individually, which in turn will make for a much stronger organization. I've seen that same pattern in, uh, in great managers. We've had a chance to study where they're looking out for the individual's best interest and, um, and even in terms of their future. So with that example, I've heard similar examples where in the end, managers like like you just described in terms of how you dealt with that individual, they will actually have very low turnover rates overall. You know, If you look at it across the board, very low turnover rates, and they're the managers that everybody wants to work for, um, but they, they do t take a longer-term perspective in terms of how they – um, position people, even if it means that the best positioning for them is to go somewhere else. Um, 
and to, because you're, you're in it for their development, right? And they see that that's authentic and other people see that as well. You start to build a brand. In fact, the employment brand we refer to in the, in the book is really that cult, that authentic culture you build in the organization where, um, you know, you, you can't just say you have a culture and then hide behind your brand anymore because the, um, the exposure now is all over the place. There's social media and everybody kind of knows what's going on. And so uh, I think organizations now are really understanding that they need to build that authentic employee experience. And that's kind of starts with having the right manager experiences, um, you know, because managers in many cases now have more stress and um, less clear expectations than the people they manage. So there's a lot kind of coming at them. It's a very, it's a much more complex job than it used to be. Yeah, I've seen that and I, you know, talked with, with fellow leaders and whatnot. And they said, even in the last two or three years, things have become a lot more complex from a leadership role than it used to be. And when you have that type of scenario, scenario going on, um, you know, that trickles down to the employees because they start sensing that, you mm -hmm. know, there's a lot of chaos, there's confusion, there's a lack of clarity and, you know, you know, a lack of clarity really repels. It, it, it gets, you know, behavior to really start changing as people start worrying and, you know, the amygdala starts yelling at them. And the next thing mm -hmm. you know, they're, you know, they're, they're going worst case scenario on situations when in fact, that's not the real reality, but it's amazing what can happen with, you know, a lack of clarity in an organization. Yeah. One, of the things, one of the things that uh, jumped on me too, the question to ask you is, you know, how do you help a manager or what suggestions do you have for a manager to make that shift to be a coach? Uh, because I'm guessing for some, that may be a, a fairly difficult transition. Yeah. You're going to have uh, people all across the board and uh, on the continuum of just whether they have the natural kind of innate ability to, to manage others or not. But even with that, everybody has the potential to improve. And so we uh, really highly recommend having some base curriculum that each manager can learn that's strengths-based, that's based in their innate abilities from the get-go. And that then encourages them to think about the, the natural abilities of the people around them so that they can leverage them effectively. So it's not as much about making each manager be the same person. It's more um, helping them use their strengths to reach what you consider to be your managerial competencies, which should include course developing people and coaching people and then the curriculum when you start with strengths you can help them understand how they use their natural abilities once they get some language around that how, how do they use their natural strengths to meet the demands of the job which which could which I would argue should include having five different conversations with people starting with role and relationship orientation where you're really getting to know them the person you're managing and help them think about their future um, to the more ongoing conversations like uh, just connecting with them quickly, uh, checking in with them, and having some quick developmental conversations that might change their life, you know, in terms of observing something, giving them some feedback. And these could be, um, you know, identifying strengths that they may not have been aware of, but also um, helping them think about skill development and helping them think about um, uh, you know, how they can get better. So critique and critique is taken a lot easier when there's trust. And so um, you have those ongoing conversations. You're more likely to build trust. If you have strengths based conversations, you're more likely to have trust than the, 
the, the fifth conversation, which is we call a semi-annual review. That's another kind of slowdown conversation. But um, the reason the annual review got a bad rap is that nothing, nothing was happening before the annual review. So people would be surprised by what was discussed. Um, they're talking about things that should have been discussed a long time ago. Um, and uh, the whole process loses credibility. It, it gains credibility if you have those ongoing conversations and then nobody's surprised after six months when you're having a, a review discussion and you have an opportunity to talk about that individual's future again, not just what happened in the past. Um, so I think that to answer your question, just uh, having the right kind of base curriculum in place that starts with the right foundation is essential. And the, that foundation is the individual's strengths. On the ongoing conversation, um, don't make it a once a year, hi, I'm your boss, let's do our annual review thing that uh, is painful for everybody involved. But an ongoing conversation to talk about what's going on um, because we're all human beings and I think the more that we interact with each other um, in a professional way, of course, uh, but in a way that you know we see uh, how things are working because oftentimes in a management or a leadership role, uh, we don't see what's going on in the front lines as clearly as the people that are actually uh, delivering the, the products and the services that an organization creates. And when there's issues and they know that they have the trust of the leadership that can have those difficult conversations as well as those positive ones that are you know, for growth and uh, expansion of the business and everything else, it, it again, it, it strengthens the trust and they know that they have the authority to be able to do the things that's going to make things better for the employee, the organization, the people they serve. Yeah, absolutely. So if there was one takeaway from your book that uh, I guess surprised you when you were doing the research, what would that be? I think the biggest surprise to me was the actual experience that managers are, are having in their jobs. Um, we know that managers have higher autonomy and there are some benefits to being a manager, um, but they also have higher stress and less clear expectations than the people that they manage directly. And so I think there's a big opportunity there in that if we don't get the manager experience right, we're probably not going to be able to change a culture very easily. Um, and, and you know, only, only about a third of managers are, are engaged in their work, which, which means that two thirds aren't. And um, how do we expect them to engage their teams when they aren't engaged themselves? So the experience of being a manager, we need to think a lot about and how th those managers are coached and taught over time and developed because the other benefit is when managers are developing, they're thinking bigger picture, they're connecting with other managers and thinking about the thinking about the the goals of the organization. They're more likely to encourage their team to partner with other teams. So um, those silos that can happen as organizations grow, just out of human nature, because we all want to say, "Well, our our team's better than the other team," right? It's it's kind of tribal in a sense. Um, those silos are much more likely to be. Um, to be corrected for between managers if they're developing. So I think we've got to think about the, you know, not just the local level managers, but also the managers of the managers and how they're coaching um, just like we expect the managers to. Yeah, it's amazing. And I, and I think that when organizations 
uh, spend the time to make their coaches better. They will have better employees. They will have better productivity. They'll have a better organization that can, like you said earlier, withstand the changes such as economic recessions and changes in market because you'll be able to be more agile and, and be able to navigate uh, those choppy waters uh, when everyone is on the same page. It makes such a huge, huge difference. So Jim, where can people find out more about you, uh, the book, and anything else you'd like to share today? Well, we have a whole lot of uh, resources um, that are available through, through the book, they'll, they'll have a chance to go to our, our platform access that has uh, a whole lot of information on it. But I would start with just going to gallup.com. Um, we've got uh, the book there. Um, of course, it's available on Amazon, all the other outlets that people are used to. But if you go to gallup.com, you'll see an ongoing stream of articles that our team produces uh, with sort of the latest updates. This next year, we'll be putting a lot of effort into um, doing deeper dives even into that, that part I just talked about the manager experience. What, what are managers going through in their jobs every day? How do they use their time? Um, what relates to higher productivity? Um, what kind of background elements relate to success as a manager? All those kinds of things we'll be exploring yet this year. And so we'll be publishing all that on gallup.com in addition to all of our research reports and perspectives on different topics. Well, some amazing resources, and I highly encourage the audience to to check out the site and all the links that uh, that you mentioned. Because if they follow um, the guidance that's in this book and and the resources of of, of Gallup, who's been around a while, um, you guys know your stuff. Um, it makes uh, it'll make a huge difference on how organizations uh, run both now and in the future. So Jim, thank you so much for being on the show. Appreciate you and all the awesome work you're doing and especially congratulations on the new book. Um, I'm, I'm definitely uh, reading it and uh, we'll, we'll share it with, with everybody that I know because I know there's some absolutely amazing content in the book. Thanks for having me, Michael. It's been great talking with you. Likewise. And until next time, everybody, be well. <laughs>